Who would your Christian heroes be? They can't, this isn't Bible characters. This is not God himself. Um, I set this sort of task a while ago, and I was thinking, uh, who are some of my heroes? The problem is, for me, is I've got too many heroes. I've got too many Christian heroes. I've got, I didn't know who to pick. Should I pick someone in history like um, Charlemagne? Alfred the Great is one of my heroes, believe it or not. Uh, or maybe someone, a Christian poet, uh, George Herbert, William Blake, or leaders, um, you know, Martin Luther King was on the list. I thought maybe, no, 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 no. And then I thought people who've really in, helped my prayer life, I thought someone like Brother Lawrence or um, Julian of Norwich, this mystic nun uh, in medieval times. Or Henry Nguyen, now and have you say his name, has been very influential. But I thought I'd pick someone, uh, actually, who isn't necessarily famous, who isn't necessarily well-known. Because I actually think most of God's heroes, no one knows anything about. You know, they're, 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 they're just hidden. You're here, many of you, uh, this morning, just doing your thing quietly. And so I wanted to pick someone who has had a bit of a profile, but you may, you may not have heard of him. His name is Barry. This is the photo of him coming up. His name is Barry Kissel. He's a Kiwi, and uh, basically he moved to England about, I don't know, 50 years ago. He married this lady called Mary, and uh, they were based in a church called St. Andrew's Chorley Wood, and uh, he was uh, one of the founders of New Wine, and uh, he's got three kids. But I picked him because I was thinking about this about two months ago, and I found myself praying for Barry quite a lot because he hadn't been very well. So I thought, I'm going to speak about Barry today. So that's what I'm going to do. And uh, I need to resist the temptation to be highbrow or, uh, you know, pick a really deep theologian or something to impress you all. But here is Barry. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for a long time. I picked Barry for two reasons. This is the first reason, okay. Uh, the first reason is that Barry seeks to do what Jesus does. And I've watched him do that over 30 years. Barry has uh, sought to do uh, what Jesus does. And that begs the question, you know, what does Jesus do? You know, what actually does Jesus do? And I want to speak from Luke 4 this morning. And uh, you'll know this passage. You would have read this uh, maybe many times, unless you've recently come to faith. You may not have read it. But uh, this is uh, an extraordinary encounter uh, uh, between Jesus and a synagogue in Nazareth. And I'm going to read these verses to you. This really highlights what Jesus does. Okay. So verses 14, Luke 4, verses 14 onwards. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this is the reading that Jesus read. Have you read that before, that little bit? You know the bit. You'll know that actually... This is from Isaiah 61, 
these words, and uh, Isaiah was writing at a time when Israel was in captivity in Babylon. So the people of God were in captivity in Babylon, and it was a, it was a miserable existence. I think we often forget, we talk about the exile, captivity, we forget how grim that actually is. I often think, when I think of captivity and exile, I think a good modern example, which is chilling, is the, the Nigerian girls from Chibok who were literally carted off uh, hundreds of them about three years ago into the jungle in northern Nigeria. This is what it was like uh, for uh, the people of Israel. And uh, Isaiah prophesied that actually a Messiah would come who was anointed with the Holy Spirit and he would actually lead people out of captivity and into freedom. This is what Isaiah prophesied to the people of God thousands of years ago. So if you look at Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind out the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. So this is what the coming Messiah would do. He would free people from captivity. And uh, Isaiah actually says there's a comfort elephant. Uh, uh, elephant? Comfort <laughs> element. I'm never going to live that down, am I? Comfort elephant. I really want a comfort elephant. Actually, don't you? I want a big comfort teddy bear elephant. Uh, let's stay focused. But he says, um, he says um, did that confuse you, by the way? What sign language for elephant? Ah, oh, I like. That's a good one. I would have guessed that myself. Um, but Isaiah says the people of God will be comforted. So he says, you know, uh, to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They'll be called oaks of righteousness. So there's a comfort element to the coming of the Messiah. And also, these people, the people of God, are actually going to be people who make a, a massive difference. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations and so forth. So this is what Isaiah prophesies. Jesus reads this chunk of the Old Testament, and uh, then something really extraordinary happens. Jesus says this uh, in verse 20. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Ah, what? The Messiah... Isaiah prophesied would come uh, is fulfilled in you Jesus is that what you're saying and uh, actually this is exactly what Jesus is saying so it's an extraordinary um, picture uh, a moment in Jesus' life but actually it's a great job description of what he did because Jesus doesn't just claim to be the Messiah and say I fulfilled this, but he actually goes on, doesn't he, in his own life to proclaim good news to the poor. He preaches the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to poor people, materially poor as well as, um, you know, spiritually poor. He frees people. He prays for people who are blind, they see again. He sets oppressed people free. 
and uh, he proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. This actually uh, is, a, is a reference to the year of Jubilee. It's in Leviticus 25. And uh, it's a time when actually um, every 50 years, all the debts are canceled of people, all the ancestral property is given back to people, and slaves are literally freed uh, in the people of God's history. So this is an extraordinary thing that the Messiah comes to do and what Jesus did. Uh, are you with me? So this is what Jesus did and does. And I picked Barry because actually this uh, is what Barry, I've seen Barry do. He's someone who seeks to do what Jesus does. Jesus asks us to be like him and to do what uh, he did. And uh, these are the elements of it in these verses. If you can reflect on these uh, in the last weeks of uh, the holiday, this is really what we're called to do. And I've watched Barry speak about Jesus regularly, as many as you do regularly. I've seen him actually uh, seek to relate to and encourage marginalized people. I've seen him actually visit people in prison and also pray for people uh, who are imprisoned by various things. And I, I've seen him do all the stuff Jesus do, which is why uh, he's been one of my heroes over the years. And actually... Uh, people were amazed with Jesus, verse 22. All spoke well of him, were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. And uh, I've seen people, uh, I'm, I would be amazed by, by watching Barry and what he's done over years. Now this is all very fine and dandy, isn't it? But um, basically, what does it mean uh, for us? Uh, it raises the question, what are we doing, doesn't it? That's what Jesus did. That's what he's calling us to do. And um, you see that modeled in the life of someone like Barry. What are we doing? What am I doing is what I take from this. And I'd encourage you to be reflecting on what, you're, what are you doing with your life? What are you giving your time to? And uh, I hope uh, uh, these things form part of what you've been up to. Now, did you do any summer reading uh, over, over the summer. I did quite a lot of summer reading. I read some various stuff, some uh, theology. I read some poetry. And I read a novel by a guy called Tim Winton. Uh, has anyone read any Tim Winton? He's one of my favorite authors. Anyway, uh, one of the characters in the novel uh, says this. He says, um, people say they believe all sorts of different things. People say they believe all sorts of different things. But what actually matters is what they do. And uh, there's a challenge there, isn't there, uh, to actually, actions speak louder than words. The New Testament, Jesus teaches a similar thing in John's Gospel. Um, and uh, there's a challenge, isn't there, to, to ask ourselves, what are we doing? Are we being like Jesus? Or are we doing the works of the kingdom uh, at this time in our life? And what I loved, what I was blown away by the Truckers Holiday Club, was that this was real gospel, love in action, and this amazing team just being like Christ to these uh, wonderful uh, children, but with issues, that, serious issues some of them have, and uh, just this amazing team. So um, I'm saying to myself, really, you know, as I look to the autumn term, as I look to this year, what am I going to do? What am I going to prioritize? What am I going to give my time to? And um, this is... Um, worth, obviously, um, thinking about.
Are you with me so far? Can you wave if you're with me? Okay, you're with me. So that's the first thing. Now, the second reason I picked on Barry, just because he's slightly um, un unknown, uh, is that despite considerable difficulties in his life, Barry has kept going. Despite considerable difficulties in his life, Barry has kept going. Now, anyone had any considerable difficulties? Uh, it's, it's about being human, right? And um, obviously there's degree. Obviously people are up against stuff more than other people. But to be human is to have a lot of difficulty. In this world, you will experience what? Trouble. And uh, in my own life, I've had just difficulty after difficulty after difficulty, as far as I can tell. And um, what I like about Barry is despite those things, he's kept going. And so I find him inspiring. And the truth of the matter is, is that the Christian life is difficult. It's not, um, it's, 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 it's not like a pleasure ride. It's not like going to Alton Towers or something. It, it's a full-on uh, existence. It's the way of life. It's a narrow gate. But, but it's challenging to live as a Christian today uh, in our post-Christian context, in our increasingly hostile media, uh, just to have our basic beliefs and to hold on to them. And uh, Jesus, of course, uh, models this life of challenge and difficulty. We're following him. He had a difficult life. And you see uh, early on in his ministry, this is right at the start, uh, basically the tide starts to turn for Jesus here. Verses 23 to 27. Jesus said to them, surely you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do hear in your hometown what we heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel's in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. What on earth is happening here? Well, what's interesting uh, in Luke's gospel is Luke has a special focus on Gentile people, non-Jewish people. I'm reading through Matthew's gospel at the moment. There's a focus on Jewish people. Luke is more Gentile-focused. And uh, in this version of the events... These two uh, um, non-Jewish people are mentioned, uh, Elijah and Naaman. And Jesus is effectively saying, you know, um, Elijah was sent to the people of God, but he was rejected by the people of God. And so he went to uh, the widow at Zarephath, not a Jewish person, and also to Naaman the Syrian, not a Jewish person. Now that was really, really shocking that, um, that Elijah ended up there because uh, the people of God were the chosen people. God preferred them. They were special. La, 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 la. And yet, um, actually, um, Elijah went to other people. So what Jesus is saying right at the start of his ministry is, you know, I've come. I'm the Messiah. This is the job description of the Messiah. I'm about to do the job description of the Messiah. And be careful because... If you reject me, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. 
And you read about what happens. If you want more detail on that, look at Romans uh, 9 to 11. There's a sort of explanation of all of that. And you see suddenly the mood in the place change. The mood in the place really, really changes. And what do people do? They actually uh, try and kill Jesus. All the people in the synagogue, verse uh, 28, were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Now, does anyone have the BBC uh, News app? I often look at that every day, sort of several times a day, I often look at that. And I don't know whether you've noticed, but increasingly, I, I watch a lot of the news videos, and increasingly there's a, there's a, there's a warning at the beginning. Contains upsetting images, contains violence, la, 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 la. And uh, there was one uh, over the summer of uh, a, a person being attacked by a mob, and it, and it said contains distressing violence or something. I thought, I really don't want to watch that, so I didn't watch it. And uh, this is what's going on here. There's a mob attack on Jesus because uh, he's challenging the people and saying, you know, you're going to reject me. You don't see that I'm Messiah despite everything I say and do. So you see, therefore, what I'm trying to say, in the life of Jesus, right from the start, for goodness sake, he's come from the wilderness. That was a bit difficult. He's gone in and he's starting his ministry. Lots of difficulty and challenge and opposition and ridicule and rejection, but he keeps going. And this begs the question for all of us, despite our life's circumstances, despite some of the challenges, despite the busyness of our jobs, uh, our existence, are we going to keep going doing the things Jesus did is the question. Are you with me? Are we going to stay focused and do the things Jesus did? And uh, this is a question for all of us because I've noticed in the, in the Christian life, it's very easy to become cynical, isn't it? And just, oh, yeah, whatever. That won't happen. God won't do that. I'm not going to pray for that. Da, 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 da. Or the worst thing that can happen in the Christian life is you become religious and you sort of have an outward uh, display of spirituality, but it, there's no real love of God within there at all. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, Jesus says to the Pharisees. And um, we need to be people, I want to suggest, who are taking the kingdom forward by doing what Jesus did. Now, um, what time is it? Let me check the time. Five more minutes. Over the summer, do you get lots of stuff sent to you on your phone? Obviously, you do. You get all this stuff, don't you? Uh, one of the things I got sent was from, uh, it was actually quite inspirational, I thought. It was five ways to fight your cause. Does that sound interesting? Five ways to fight your cause. Okay? And it was by a Muslim woman. Here she is. Uh, she's, in, she's probably in her mid-twenties, I think. She's quite inspirational. Uh, I can't pronounce her name properly. Uh, it is Suhaima Manzor Khan, and she's a writer and spoken word performer. And basically, she, her thing is she campaigns against Islamophobia. And uh, I'm sure you won't mind me um, using her as an example uh, or, or, or get, getting some inspiration from some of her 
ideas for how you fight a cause, we would want to support is, uh, uh, anyone who is trying to uh, support anti-Islamophobia. She says five things. Are you ready? Because we're people with a cause, right? We're people with a mission, right? Are we people with a cause? Yes. Pardon? Yes. Come on. Are we people with a mission? Yes. Good. So here's five things. First, she says, find your motivation. She says, you know, if you're going to keep going with a cause, your cause has to be necessary and relevant. It's got to be necessary and relevant. And the truth is, those words of Jesus, uh, that description of what he's calling us to do, couldn't be more necessary or relevant. Because today, uh, lots of people need to hear about Jesus Christ. Lots of people are poor. Uh, there's lots of very poor people uh, in Surrey, in Guildford. There's lots of very materially poor people living around us. They need to hear about Jesus, and we can do stuff to help them. There's lots of people today who uh, are imprisoned, literally, uh, in Send Women's Prison, for example. We've got a great team of women who, who are in there working with prisoners. Uh, but lots of people are imprisoned today in addictions and compulsions and various things uh, and uh, all sorts of oppression. So our mission as we follow Jesus couldn't be more necessary and relevant. And basically, uh, we need to uh, actually find our motivation. So I'm asking you, I'm asking me, how motivated are you in your spiritual life at the moment? Okay? Out of 10, it goes up and down, doesn't it? Let's be really honest. But, you know, um, how, how motivated are you? As you look to the autumn term, are, are, you, are you ready to go? Are you ready to really uh, take the kingdom of God forward? Secondly, tune out the trolls, she says. Tune out the trolls. She gets a lot of abuse um, online, um, as lots of people do. Uh, and she says you've just got to tune out the trolls. And uh, I think that's uh, not a bad little description for, you know, when you think, ah, this is my cause, I'm going to do this, I feel God is calling me to do this. Often the trolls come in, don't they? And, oh, you could never do this, that will never work, oh, you want to do that, that will never happen. Tune it out and just keep going with whatever it is God is calling uh, you to do. Ready? Number three, believe one person can matter. She said, actually, you know, when I'm fighting for anti-Islamophobia, she said, uh, actually, it can be really frustrating, can be quite depressing, and often I'm feeling I'm making absolutely no progress. Do you ever feel that as you follow Christ? Do you ever feel, oh, what impact is, is happening? What difference am I making? But she says, you've got to just remember, actually, touching one person's life can make a massive difference. And she says, if you can change the lens uh, of the way someone sees uh, and they act on that, or just their, their, their opinion in a small way, you've made a big difference. So um, we, we need to actually just don't see, be overwhelmed by the big task, but actually just to focus on the one or two or three. Uh, that's so important to do that. Fourthly, check in with yourself. She said, it's so easy just to slow down, to get distracted. Uh, you know, why am I doing this, she says, is a core question. Why, you know, why are you a Christian? 
Why are you seeking to do what you're doing with the homeless breakfasts in the Trekkers Holiday Club uh, as you run your pod or life group, as you cook um, in the cafe, as you are on the welcome team? Why are you doing it? She said it's really important that you know why you're doing it. And she says if you're not too sure um, why you're doing it, that's like a red flag. And you need to just get, she says, take time to reflect and get some clarity on what you're about and what you're seeking to do. And uh, the next one, I think, is the final one. Communicate. She says you've got to communicate. And she said it's important, whatever your cause is, our message is the message of Christ, his life, death, his resurrection, what he's done on the cross, his life and life to the full, his defeating death and sin. This is our message. She says, uh, are you communicating it? Do you know it? Uh, she said, you need to know it internally first, and then you can communicate it externally. But, you know, what's exciting about the church is we've got so many people who communicate the things of Christ so well in word and deed. But, you know, we must communicate and get the words out. You know, when did you last have a conversation about Jesus to, to someone who doesn't know him or isn't, isn't a Christian? When was the last time that happened? You know, was it last week? Was it this morning? Was it five years ago, ten years ago? These are challenging questions, but as we think about this new term, let's be people who um, really refocus, really come back to this Messiah. And don't forget, Alpha is starting at the start of next term, actually towards the end of September. This opportunity to invite people in who don't know Jesus Christ, just to hear in a really relaxed way uh, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and to actually have their lives changed. So, Barry is one of my numerous heroes. You've probably never heard of him. Uh, you may never have met him. But actually, uh, he's inspirational, like many of you are, uh, in your lives, in the choices you're making, in the way you're living your life for Jesus Christ. Amen. <laughs>